0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome back. Long time no talk. Welcome to episode 37 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. It's been a very long time. I've been very on and off with episodes. It's been like every other week I've been getting one out, but man, this this college schedule is pretty rough right now. I've got stuff pretty much every day of the week. And so it's kind of hard for me to be able to sit down and and put together some content. Uh, but right now everything is is going great as far as college goes. Uh, I'm in a couple media classes and and things are going great. I joined what is called Orbit Media at Muskingum University. It's basically just the media program there, and I'm a I am a part of the sports department. And I actually got to call my first football game uh, of my career last weekend, Muskingum University versus John Carroll. And I was the color commentary or commentator for that game, and it was a really great experience. It was really fun. And and I'm I've got some other games coming up, and I'm it's just I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. And our media class actually got to meet one of the, uh, you know, he was he's a reporter and anchor, and he works for the number one all news station in the United States, 1010 Winds out of New York City, and his name's Glenn Shuck, and uh, he he came to Muskingum University to our our classes, and we interviewed him and. You know, it was a great time, and it was a heck of an, a heck of an opportunity to meet him and, and talk to him. Um, but yeah, with all that and everything else going on, I've been really busy, so I'm really happy to be able to get an episode out to you guys. I've fallen off on my predictions. I've been tweeting them, but I'm trying to figure out what my actual record is. Gotta go back to the archives a little bit, but. Let's jump right into episode 37. Alright, let's start with a little bit of NBA news. Right now it's the NBA preseason, so obviously not very exciting. No one really cares about the NBA preseason all that much. But there is still some noteworthy news. Kyrie Irving announced that he wants to stay with the Boston Celtics. He plans to re-sign after this season. And... This is exactly what Kyrie should do. This is the smart move. He's a part of an excellent team with an excellent coach, probably the best coach in the NBA, with a core around him that is still extremely young and has still got multiple years left on their contracts. Tatum's going to be there for a few more years with that rookie deal. Hayward's got a few more years on his deal. And, you know, you have Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier, Al Horford. That team is clearly the best team on paper in the Eastern Conference should breeze through the Eastern Conference Finals and get to the Finals. And they would match up more than likely with the Warriors, and I think they would push the Warriors to seven games. I think the this Celtics team is the most well-equipped to take on the Golden State Warriors not saying they're going to beat them but I think they're they have the best shot out of any team in the league so of course Kyrie should say he wants to stay it's smart that that organization has a rich history but not even that they're built for the future they're built for right now not even for the future They're they're built for now so for him to say, oh, I want to go to the Knicks or the the Nets or some other team, that's not very smart. The only way the Knicks would be interesting is if you could get Jimmy Butler to come with you and you would have Jimmy Butler, Porzingis, and Kyrie. That would be interesting. But other than that, Boston's the move. You've got to stay there. And... Kyrie, after he said this, he started recruiting Anthony Davis to the Celtics. Now, I'm not sure how... I think this is Anthony Davis' last year of his contract, I think. But, you know, there's been talks that he's going to be traded, and I don't know what the Celtics are going to be willing to give up to get Anthony Davis. They're going to have to give up, you know, probably... Jalen Brown or Tatum, they're going to have to give up their young guys plus maybe a Gordon Hayward or an Al Horford. They're going to have to blow it up to to get Anthony Davis, and I'm not sure they're going to be willing to do that. And, And I don't even think they have enough money to go out and sign him, so I don't think the Celtics are a likely option. But I have seen reports that the Lakers are favored by Vegas to get Anthony Davis this season through trade, because Anthony Davis fired his agent and signed with Rich Paul from Clutch Sports, which is, wait for it, where LeBron uh, is. He's with Clutch Sports. So there's some correlation there. There's some speculation that AD is going to go to the Lakers via trade. I'm not sure what the Lakers, the Lakers would have to give up a lot more for Anthony Davis than what they would have for Kawhi Leonard. Anthony Davis, I think, is a top four player in the NBA. Kawhi's easily top ten, but he's out. I think Kawhi's outside the top five. And you're gonna have to give up a lot more for Anthony Davis. You're gonna have to give up guys like Kuzma, uh, Lonzo, Ingram, Josh Hart's got to be in there. Mo Mo Wagner, uh, some future picks. What picks they have left, I guess. Like, I'm not saying they're going to give up all of that, but they're going to have to give up some of those guys. And if they get Anthony Davis, I think they're going to be a contender in the West, but it depends on what you have to give up. And if you're the Lakers, I'm not giving up Ingram, and I'm not giving up Kuzma. I think those two are vital to the team's development, growth, and success, so you can't can't get rid of those two. Lonzo, I would give up though, because they're not even starting Lonzo this season. They're starting Rondo, Rajon Rondo. That's because of injury, but I think that we're going to start Rondo anyways. So we'll see what happens with Anthony Davis. I I don't think he's going to go anywhere during the during this NBA season. I think he's going to stay right in New Orleans, and then we'll see where he goes from there. And then the Jimmy Butler saga. Jimmy Butler wants out of Minnesota. Preferred destinations are the Clippers, the Nets, and uh, what was it? The, th- the Knicks. Those three teams were his options. And there have been talks with the Clippers. Uh, and the Clippers aren't willing to give up Tobias Harris for Jimmy Butler. That's the only thing keeping that deal from going down. And there was talks with the Miami Heat. Um, the, the Timberwolves wanted Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, and a first-round pick, I believe. And, you know, the Miami's not budging. Now, I would probably give up that for, for Jimmy Butler. It's Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's a top 10, top 15 player in the league. I think you got to go after him and it's going to keep Miami relevant in the playoff discussion. And it'll give Dwayne Wade one more shot at a playoff run and we all know Dwayne Wade is excellent when it comes to playoff basketball. He really picks up his game and and his vigor is is unmatched. But Right now I think the Timberwolves or the Timberwolves I think are trying to keep Jimmy Butler by asking for too much. They're like, "Oh, we can they don't they don't want you. They're not we're not going to be able to trade you away. They they're not willing to take you." And so it's basically forcing Jimmy's hand. Well, obviously it's forcing his hand. He's under contract, but forcing him to stay because they're off they're trying to get too much. For Jimmy Butler. And teams aren't going to bite on it. So it's kind of smart. From this perspective of trying to keep him. But you know. It just kind of leads to more discontent. With that relationship. But my prediction is. He's probably going to be. I don't think he's going to get traded. early Before the season starts. I would say before the trade deadline he's he he'll probably get traded because the Timberwolves don't want to lose him for nothing in the offseason. So I think he's gonna to go to the Clippers. And then the Clippers will get Kawhi in the summer and then they'll be right there with the Lakers as far as who's the who is LA's team. All right, and now the MLB playoffs are in full swing with the NL and ALDS. For the NLDS, we have the Dodgers versus the Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers versus the Colorado Rockies. Right now the Dodgers are leading the Braves 2 to 0 in the series and the the the, the divisional uh, round for the for the playoffs, they're best of five games, so first to win three. Both those teams are up two zero, and I expect the Dodgers to to win in three or four games. I don't expect it to go back to L A. Uh, and then the Brewers and the Rockies, uh, I expect that to be over in three. For the ALDS, we have the Ashes versus the Indians. That is 2-0 in favor of the Astros, and the Red Sox and Yankees are tied at one apiece for their ALDS matchup. Obviously, the most interesting one, the most interesting matchup of this, this round of the playoffs is the Red Sox and the Yankees. For sure, Red Sox are the best record in baseball and the fastest to clinch a playoff spot since I don't know when, since forever. And, you know, this is one of the most intense rivalries in sports history, if not the most intense. And I I like the Red Sox in this one, but with the offense that the Yankees have with, with Stanton and Judge and and Sanchez and, you know, those guys are dogs and they're not going to go down without a fight as long as they're coming up to bat there's always a chance for the Yankees to to win a couple games I expect this one to go to the, go the distance to five games but I'm gonna take the Red Sox and my World Series prediction is gonna be I think I'm, I think it's gonna be the Red Sox versus the Dodgers in the World Series Dodgers are gonna get back uh, to where they were last year but I think they're still gonna to lose to the Red Sox I think the Red Sox are the clear-cut favorite at this point, they are the favorite to to win the World Series in my eyes. Uh, but Game Three of uh, the playoffs for the NLDS would be Sunday, which is today, uh, and I am in, I am recording on game day for the NFL, so. My predictions are going to be out, but no games are being watched. This is being recorded before 1 o'clock, so likely not going to upload until after 1 o'clock. But uh, I wouldn't lie to you guys, my predictions are going to be there before the games have even been played. And we're going to get to those later in the show. No games will be watched. Uh, Like I said, it's before 1 o'clock, so I'm good. Uh, We're going to jump into some college football. I haven't talked to college football in a few weeks, but we had a seismic shift in the top 25 yesterday. A lot of ranked teams went down. Uh, Three teams in the top 10 lost, and five in the top 15. Uh, Number 19, Texas, defeated number 7, Oklahoma, 48-45. On a game-winning field goal, Uh, Mississippi State defeated number eight Auburn yesterday. And Mississippi Mississippi State dominated that whole game. Uh, Texas A&M defeated number thirteen Kentucky, and I didn't even realize Kentucky was ranked until yesterday. Kentucky's got a superstar running back, probably one of the best running backs in the country. Um, But yeah, they got beat. Number 13, and then number 22, Florida, defeated number 5, LSU. So that's going to create a huge shift in the top 10. And then Utah, unranked Utah, defeated number 14, Stanford. So I. This playoff picture through, you know, the first almost half of the season, it's going to be changed dramatically just because of this week alone. Texas could very well climb into the top 10. Notre Dame is going to be in the conversation with the top five. Uh, The only thing I see, like Oklahoma and Auburn and, and LSU, they're not going to be out of it, but they're not, I don't think they're going to be in the top 10. The only one with a chance to stay in the top 10 is LSU, they may drop to 9 or 10. The rankings, the the new uh, AP polls are supposed to come out at 2 o'clock Eastern today. So we'll see what happens with that. But I expect Texas to make a huge leap, as well as Florida. And Mississippi State could find its way back into the top 25 with this victory. But it's just a huge seismic shift with so many unbeaten ranked teams going down yesterday so it's really going to change the whole entire outlook of the playoff and then Heisman watch right now i think there's only three candidates that are that are being considered at the moment uh, obviously kyler murray out of oklahoma he is Putting up the same numbers Baker Mayfield did in his Heisman year. And but but Kyler Murray is far more exciting to watch with his athleticism and his speed and his ability to move with the ball. He's much more athletic than Baker Mayfield was. Kyler Murray is probably the favorite right now for the Heisman. Then you have Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. He is looking like the best pure quarterback Ohio State has had in recent memory and he's putting up numbers similar to Troy Smith's Heisman season of 2007. Haskins has definitely got more tools than, than JT Barrett did or Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor. Haskins is extremely accurate, got a great deep ball He's mobile in in terms of his pocket presence he can move in the pocket but he's not the most athletic of quarterbacks he's not he's not going to run with the ball that that much unless forced to like a lot of these these read option plays he's handing off 99 point nine percent of the time but he's still extremely accurate with the football and he's put up great numbers through the first that first quarter, first half of this of this college football season. And then I think the third candidate is Tua Tagovala I don't even know how you say his last name. It's such a complex last name. Tua Tagovala, that's what I'll call him. That sounds pretty good to me. But here, uh Tua from Alabama has been excellent. He kind of splits snaps with Jalen Hurts because Alabama runs up the score so early, and then Jalen Hurts comes in, and Jalen Hurts is is really good himself. But yesterday against Arkansas, Tua completed ten of thirteen passes for three hundred and forty yards and four touchdowns, or three touch three or four touchdowns. Either way, those are in, that's an insane stat line for only ten completions. That's over 30 yards a completion. That's insane numbers. Two has been excellent this year, but if I had to give a nod to anybody, it would be Kyler Murray with the numbers he's put up in the Big 12 and his his athleticism and his athletic prowess out there on the field. All right, and now we're going to jump to... The NFL. We've got some record predictions. We've got some other news. And the return of a segment at the end of the show, but we'll get to that later. You might be able to guess what it is. Um, but this weekend, well, the, the Colts and the Patriots played on Thursday night. I predicted the, the Patriots, and I was right. But Tom Brady threw for his first... 500th career touchdown pass against the Colts. And Drew Brees has that opportunity to do that this weekend uh, against the Redskins on Monday night. And, you know, these two quarterbacks are two of the greatest of all time, two of the best in the league right now. Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the league right now. And I would put Drew Brees probably at third behind Aaron Rodgers. But as far as who's is more impressive, as far as, you know, their road to 500 touchdowns, Tom Brady has played for one more season than Drew Brees, but Drew Brees has thrown for 500 more attempts, which is the equivalent of about a season in the NFL. So they're, you know, they're pretty even as far as that goes. But I, I I don't think you can really compare these because they don't play, you know, in the same system. I've seen it on shows where they compare all oh, who's whose road to five hundred was better, Brady or Breeze. It's something that I don't think you can really compare because their offensive systems are way different. You know, week to week week to week for the Patriots, they they change their game plan so much they're never, you know, pass first or run for first or anything. They just they expose the weakness that their defense shows the defense they're they're facing i mean they expose their defense's weakness that they play against each week and so their game plan constantly varies they may run heavy or they may pass they may drop back Brady 50 times a game and for Breeze for the first you know 15 years of his career he's never had a great running game And he's always found himself in situations where he's had to come back from you know ten points in the fourth quarter or whatever it may be. So they're always they've always been more of a pass first team. And you know Drew Brees has got way way more five thousand yard seasons than Brady. Brees is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history. He broke the single season completion percentage record last year with over seventy percent. I mean, Drew Brees is just as consistent as anybody in the league, and he's never talked about. You know, we always talk about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Big Ben and and Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. We never talk about Drew Brees. And Drew Brees I think is certainly up there with one of the top 10. I think he's a top 10 quarterback all time. He's only got one Super Bowl, but you know, when Drew Brees retires, he's gonna be more than likely the, the he's gonna have every statistical record there is that a quarterback would want to have. And he already has a ton, and, and Breeze has got, you know, at least at least two more years after this year, with the way he's been playing, the way he takes care of his body. And you know that now that they have a running game with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram's back. Drew Brees doesn't have to drop back as much as he used to, so he can save his arm, save his leg, save his body. And, you know, the same goes for Brady. Brady does an excellent job of taking care of his body, and that's why he's able to play at 41 years of age. And, you know, Belichick does a great job week to week of game planning for the defense they face, where, you know, not all the stress is on Brady's shoulders to deliver a victory. But these two quarterbacks are easily top 10 all-time. Tom Brady's obviously number one in a lot of uh, people's eyes. He's the most accomplished quarterback in NFL history in terms of postseason success, Super Bowls. Drew Brees hasn't had quite the success in the playoffs that that Tom Brady has had but he's had success and statistically he's been as good as anybody for you know 16 se- or 17 years, you know. These two guys have been great and they've both got you know a couple at least a couple years left and there's uh, honestly these guys could play forever if they really wanted to with the way they take care of their bodies, but it's extremely impressive what they've been able to do for as long as they've been able to do it and have this success they, they've had. So, if Drew Brees, Drew Brees needs four more touchdowns to, today to reach 500, if he doesn't get it today, he's certainly going to get it next week. And, you know, he'll be, Drew, Drew Brees and Tom Brady will be in the 500 club with Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. And that's pretty elite company and probably four of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. All right. So let's get into my week five NFL predictions here. Well, actually, no, I take that back. Uh, We're not going to get into the predictions yet. Uh, I want to talk about something else real fast. So the Le'Veon Bell... Uh, saga, the, you know what everything has been going on with him. His holdout. He is planning to return week seven of the NFL season, which is the Steelers' bye week, and and there's talks that there are plans to renegotiate a deal at some point before the you know the deadline or you know during the off season, and. You know, I think this is huge for the Steelers to get Le'Veon back Week 7 because they, outside of Week 1 where they had an excellent running game with James Conner, James Conner hasn't done anything. And quite frankly, James Conner doesn't pose the threat that Le'Veon Bell does. Le'Veon can hurt you in so many ways out of the backfield, receiving the ball. He's the best receiving running back in the league by far. His patience... His running style, it's its unlike any running back we've ever seen before. It, you know, it changes the way a defense has to game plan for the Steelers' offense. And right now, the teams that play the Steelers, they don't have to game plan for James Conner because they're not worried about him. He doesn't pose that threat. So That's why they double A.B. they are They're putting bodies on Juju Smith-Schuster. That's why A.B. hasn't had that successful of a year to this point. It's because they're keying in on him and not on the running game. And when Le'Veon Bell comes back, that's going to add that whole new wrinkle to the offense. And that's going to force the defense to commit an extra guy to the box. And that's going to leave AB one-on-one on on the outside. Along with Juju Smith-Schuster. And and honestly, I think Le'Veon Bell should just he should just get his money. The Steelers should just pay him. Yes, he's 27 years old, but you don't need to sign him to a four-year you know, deal like, like the Rams gave Todd Gurley, which I believe was five years. But Gurley's young. Anytime a running back hits 30 years old, usually they're going to decline, with the exception of guys like Marshawn Lynch, who's been excellent this year, and, and Frank Gore has been doing it forever. Usually when a running back hits 30, though, that's usually when you want to move on from him. So a new deal that's three years or longer is going to take him to 30 years old. You're going to have to... What you're going to have to do if you're going to sign him is sign him to a two-year deal and you give him, let's say, $30 million and you make like 20 25 of it guaranteed. So that way he's getting his money but you're not going to sign him long-term because I don't think the, I don't think the Steelers want him long-term. They don't want to, they don't want to be bound to guys for two, three, four, five years. You know, unless it's a young star or your quarterback, they don't want to be bound to anybody for that long, for that amount of money. That's why they've been tagging Le'Veon Bell over the last few years. And I think part of the reason is Le'Veon's availability you know The last couple of years, Le'Veon has had several suspensions for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. He was hurt with a groin injury um, last year, and this year he's holding out. So you're not going to want to give your money to a guy who you don't even know if he's going to show up or be able to play. But with his talent... You know, they're struggling right now on offense, and you've gotta you've gotta sign him in order to you know keep that window of a of a Big Ben Super Bowl alive because that window is closing rapidly at this point. That, honestly, with James Connor in the backfield, the Steelers may not make the playoffs. And I'm serious. The Ravens are good, the, the Bengals are good. You know, in a year or two, the Browns are going to be good. That window's closing for the Steelers. And if they don't get Le'Veon Bell back fast, which is going to be week seven, so they'll have him for week eight. You know, if they weren't getting him back at all, they'd be screwed. But since they're getting him back, should be able to, to get back on track offensively and put together a run towards the playoffs. But this season just hasn't gone to plan for the Steelers. And, you know, I don't blame Le'Veon for holding out, you know. I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place on this, but I don't blame Le'Veon because the Steelers were going to run him into the ground this year. They were going to give him 400-plus touches, 500 touches, and then just let him walk in free agency and, you know, be burnt out for the team he plays for next. And I think Le'Veon understood that. Along with the fact that he wasn't going to get his money. And, you know, he saved his body. Sit out for half a season. That way, you know, his touches will be around 200. uh, And they might creep up to 300, assuming they make a deep playoff run. But it's going to limit his usage and it will save his legs for uh, a portion of a year. So it's smart. All right, now we're gonna to get to my week five predictions. Let's do this so for week four last week, let's see I was had eight victories last week compared to one, two, three, four five, six. I was eight and six last week um and i did leave out one game because i did not give a prediction for it and it was actually a really good game it was the rams vikings game and i'm not going to count that towards my record um because you know it was such a close game and those were two really good teams and you know i'm not going to i'm not going to do that that wouldn't be fair um so yeah, that game does not count towards my record. But last week I was 8-6. and six. Um, And the week before, week 3, it was a bad week for me. I had, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 wins to 11 losses. I was 5-11 week 3. So kind of a bounce back week last week on 8-6. and six, And my current record on the season is 30, 30, and 2. So I am dead even on the season with, of course, that one game being held out. And I did not include the Colts-Pats game from Thursday night because I'm doing it week by week. I'm adding them up week by week. So for the Colts versus Patriots, I obviously predicted the Pats, as you guys know, on on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter. Uh, And I predicted a blowout. It was a blowout early. Colts kind of came back, and then the Patriots shut the door. It was 38-24, I believe. Uh, Let's see, the Falcons versus the Steelers. I do like the Falcons in this game. Falcons gotta have a better offense. Steelers still without Le'Veon. Defensively, both of these teams are awful. But I do like the Falcons in this game. Uh, Broncos versus the Jets. Uh, The Jets. They aren't aren't very good. Broncos are actually really solid. Case Keenum is solid, and I love Case Keenum. I like the Broncos in this game. Jags versus the Chiefs. This could be the game of the weekend. Chiefs 4-0. Pat Mahomes is the star of the league right now. He's the talk of the league. Taking the league by storm. And then the Jags. Best defense in the league. Best pass defense in the league. Blake Bortles is serviceable. They're without Leonard Fournette again, I think. But with that defense, I think that defense is gonna shut down the Jag or the, the Chiefs this week. And I think Mahomes is gonna struggle. I'm gonna take the Jags in this one in a little bit of an upset. Packers versus the Lions. Uh the the Packers have been struggling offensively recently. Aaron Rodgers is you know still having trouble with that knee. The Lions have been kind of hit and miss week to week. I'm going to go with the Lions over the Packers who are kind of struggling a little bit. And there's a little bit of turmoil turmoil between Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. The Baltimore Ravens are taking on the Cleveland Browns. The Ravens are really good this year defensively. They're one of the best in the league. Joe Flacco seems very motivated this year. And when he's motivated, he plays a lot better. You know, because they drafted Lamar Jackson first round. Puts a lot of pressure on Joe Flacco. And and when Joe Flacco is inspired, he can play really well. So I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. The Dolphins versus the Bengals. I like the Bengals in this one. I think the Dolphins are kind of pretenders. You know, I thought for them... To prove to me that they were a real team, they would have had to have put up a great fight versus the, the Pats. Not necessarily won, but just put up a fight. And they got mollywhopped by the Patriots in Foxborough, 38-7. to You know, They didn't show any effort at all, and that just proves to me right there that they're not a legit team. Might make the playoffs as a wild card, but they're not legit. Um, and then the Bengals, you know, they're really good this year too. They beat the Falcons last week, uh, in a really close game. Bengals are really good and they, they play teams very close. They played the Panthers close. The Bengals have a chance to be, to be a wild card team this year behind the Ravens. And I really like the Bengals in this game of the Dolphins. Cause like I said, the Dolphins are pretenders in my eyes. New York Giants versus the Carolina Panthers. Giants are awful. So that's all I got to say about that. So give me the Panthers. Titans versus the Bills. Bills are awful. Again, nothing else to say about that one. So I'm going to take the Titans. And the Titans, they knocked off Philly last week. And that's big for them. They're 3-1. Leading their division, the AFC South. They're they're pretty good. They're solid. They've got limitations, but they're solid. So I'll take the Titans over the Bills. The Raiders versus the Chargers. You guys know I don't like the Raiders, so I'll take the Chargers in this one. Uh, The Chargers did struggle against the 49ers last week, but I think they just kind of came out sleepwalking, and they escaped, but I think they'll be much more focused this week against the a Raiders team that's quite frankly awful. And, you know, the Raiders are 1-3, but they should be 0-4. They played the Browns last week. I predicted the Browns. The Browns got robbed on several occasions. A fumble. They stripped Derek Carr of the ball when he was getting ready to throw, and they called the play dead. And the Browns would have picked it up and, and scored. Um, and on a th- late... Third down late in the game. The Browns are up eight points. Third down, Carlos Hyde. Uh, run up the middle. It was like a third and short. Clearly a first down, but they just did a review in the booth to be sure. And they overturned it. Said he was short. And didn't make much sense. Raiders score on the ensuing drive. Get the two-point conversion. And then they win in overtime. And, you know, they kind of stole one from the Browns. So really, the Raiders are 0-4 but that's whatever but I'll take take the Chargers in this one easy Rams versus the Seahawks the Rams are loaded uh, their only weakness right now is in in the secondary I keep to leave and Peters are you know a little banged up uh Tlaib, I believe is out and Peters you know is is a little injured too linebacker they're a little uh vulnerable but the Rams are just loaded everywhere else. The Seahawks have nothing offensively besides Wilson and Doug When Their offensive line is atrocious. Russell Wilson has no time to throw the ball. As soon as he gets the snap, he's running for his life. Defensively, they're without Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas broke his leg against the Cardinals. He's done for the season, and that's going to halt any trade That the Cowboys or the Chiefs may have made for him. The Chiefs were reportedly close to a deal with the Seahawks. Before the injury and then they pulled out. But the Seahawks are just terrible. Rams easy in this one. Cardinals versus the 49ers. 49ers are without Jimmy G. Josh Rosen was excellent last week against the Seahawks. Even though they lost. And they're looking to get David Johnson the ball more and more each week. I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one. Vikings versus the Eagles. This is also a candidate for game of the week with the Chiefs and Jags. I like the Vikings in this one. I'm going to take the Vikings. Carson Wentz is still struggling a little bit coming off that knee injury. They're a little banged up on defense and on the perimeter with their receivers. Alshon Jeffries just coming back. So I think it's still going to take them a while to figure it out. Vikings are really good. Vikings are have a 1-2-1 record, but they've played some extremely tough teams. They lost to the Rams, but played the Rams very well. Only lost by 7. They tied with the Packers, and then they slapped Walk against the Bills. So the Vikings are still one of the best teams in the NFC to me. And I, I'm going to take the Vikings... Because of the fact that the Eagles are banged up on both offense and defense, Cowboys versus the Texans Sunday Night Football on NBC 8:20 Eastern. This is a tough one for me to call. This might be the toughest one that I've had. I'm, I'm struggling with. Um, Deshaun Watson has been playing really well. He's finally getting into a groove. And I have him on my fantasy team, so that's great. Um, and, you know, J.J. J. Watt is J.J. J. Watt. He's not the same J.J. J. Watt of a couple of years ago, but he's still J.J. J. Watt. And for the Cowboys, Zeke, you know, is leading the league in rushing. And he's doing it by a wide margin on limited carries. He's excellent. It's just really going to depend on if this Cowboys offense can sustain consistent production if they can just be consistently okay and not you know start out slow and not get any drives going and not you know put together drives late in the fourth corner when it doesn't even matter then I'm, i'm gonna pick the cowboys i will take the cowboys if and i'm gonna assume their offense stays consistent and is able to move the ball down the field and score and for the monday night game to round out the predictions Redskins versus the Saints. I love the Saints. They're my Super Bowl pick this year from the NFC. I'm going to take the Saints in this one. They're just superior on offense and superior defensively. So I'll take the Saints. So that rounds out the Week 5 predictions. And this episode is going to drop while the games are being played. But just know I made these predictions beforehand. So I have no information telling me anything. And then we have the return of a segment. As I mentioned earlier. We've got the Ford food chain coming back. And I'm going to tell you the top 10 NFL teams according to me. Uh, I didn't want to do this, you know, for previous weeks of the NFL season because it's difficult to gauge, you know, early on who the good teams are and who, the and who like, the pretenders are, who the bad teams are. And, you know, the Ford food chain is not necessarily based on record because there are a few teams who have poor records, but they've played great teams and, they're, you know, it's just kind of an unfortunate stretch of their schedule. So I didn't want to do it for the first few weeks because you know it's it's a feeling out process, just seeing where teams are. But let's start with number ten, the Tennessee Titans. Um, this is the first time I've had the Titans in the Ford Food Chain for for regular season play. The Titans are a solid team, and that's that's all I can really say about them is that they're solid. Mariota is solid defense is solid they have limitations they don't have the ability to be great but they play teams tough every week and they somehow always manage to be in the playoff picture every year right now they're sitting at 3 and 1 and i think they're going to be 4 and 1 after today so i have the titans at 10 number 9 this is a team i think that's going to be in this discussion Every week for the next five years. Chicago Bears. I told you guys a couple episodes ago I'm really high on the Bears after they got Khalil Mack. And Matt Nagy uh, at the helm for the Bears on offense. Offensive coach with Trubisky. Jordan Howard, that offensive line. And the improved weaponry that's around Trubisky with Trey Burton, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. I mean, there's nothing that the Bears don't have offensively. And Trubisky's limited a little bit; he's got a lower ceiling. But with Matt Nagy there and all that weapon, all those weapons, and their defense as good it is, as it is with Khalil Mack, they're young, but they're on the come up. They're three, three and one right now. Should be four and zero. Oh. They gave one away against the pay, uh, the Packers. But man, this team's good, and they're going to be good. For the foreseeable future. So the Bears at nine. Number eight, I've got the Minnesota Vikings. This, this roster is a top three roster in the NFL. Offensive line's a little weak, but defensively, this defense is as good as almost any defense in the league. Kirk Cousins is a very solid quarterback, and they've got great weapons on offense with Dalvin Cook and Kyle Rudolph and Diggs and Thielen. Dalvin Cook struggled because that offensive line has not been able to hold up. But they're as talented as any team in the league, for the most part. And although their record is 1 2 and 1, they've played some really tough teams and had some really close games. So the Vikings at 8. Number 7, the Super Bowl champion, defending Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, man, they're 2 and 2. They've struggled, they've got some injuries. But their fronts, their offensive and defensive lines, are the best in football. The best duo of line play in football. Carson Wentz, once he comes back, is going to be. Uh, he's he, he will return to MVP form eventually. And you know, once they sure up some of those those injuries on the back half of the defense and you know on the outside as far as the receivers go, they're going to be in great shape and they'll be. They'll be poised to make a a playoff push. I don't think they're winning the division. I've got the Cowboys winning the division. But I think they're a wild card team. And, you know, they've got a first-place schedule this year. They're playing all the toughest teams in the league. So that's how it's going to go. But so the Eagles at 7. Number 6, I've got the New England Patriots. And this might seem a little bit low to you guys. But, you know, defensively, this team... Doesn't have a lot. No pass rush. Um, their secondary's not bad with the McCourty brothers and, and Eric Rowe and guys like that. But, you know, they don't have a pass rush. They don't have great linebackers. Offensively, though, they've been excellent the last couple of weeks. Tom Brady is in, you know, his peak form as always. They they look to have found a running game with Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle's been excellent the last few weeks. They got Julian Edelman back. Josh Gordon looks great. Josh Gordon was actually the the guy that caught Tom Brady's five hundredth five hundredth touchdown pass. Well, that's kind of that's kind of funny. But they've got Gronk also and, and, and Chris Hogan and they've got a they, they look a lot better offensively than they did earlier on in the season and before the season started. Uh, But the Patriots are still the best run organization in football. They've got the best coach, the best quarterback, and they're going to win their division and make another playoff run. So Patriots at six. Number five, the New Orleans Saints. You guys know I love the Saints. Uh, You know, they're my Super Bowl pick. Drew Brees is one of the all-time greats that's never talked about. Kamara has been excellent this year. Michael Thomas has been up there with the elite receivers. This team's great, and they struggled a little bit out of the gate, but they're fine now. And like I said, they're my Super Bowl pick. Uh, And they're at five. Usually my top four are my Super Bowl favorites, but I have a few other teams up there just because They've been playing better than the Saints right now, but that doesn't change my predictions at all. So, number four, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. And that's not something I would have said at the beginning of the season. Joe Flacco is playing inspired football. And you know, you know what it is? Is they they drafted two tight ends who can play. They drafted some dudes. They they even signed some weapons in free agency. They got Crabtree, Willie Sneed, John Brown. They've got some weapons on offense. And you know, they they look good and Joe Flacco looks good. This team is a dark horse Super Bowl team in my eyes. I still like the Chargers and the in the AFC, they've kind of struggled early on, but I still like the Chargers. The Chargers spoiler spoiler alert are not on this list. But it's they're still my they're still my pick right now, but I think the Ravens are a dark horse team to make it to the Super Bowl. Number 3, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I predicted during the season or before the season uh in my episode with Jordan, if you guys remember, uh, a 9 and 7 finish for the Chiefs. And that was only because I wasn't sure what Pat Mahomes was going to be. Pat Mahomes has been excellent through 4 games. And he's the talk of the league. The only thing I'm waiting for now is when is he going to come down? When is he going to come back to earth? Kind of show, you know, some of those signs of struggle as a young quarterback. Every young quarterback goes through that. Playing a tough defense today. And if he plays well against the Jags and they win, then I'll have nothing more to say about Pat Mahomes. And the Chiefs will be... You know, great. And I'll, I'll have nothing bad to say about Pat Mahomes, and I'll have no doubts in my mind about him as an NFL quarterback. But the Chiefs at three, and they look great. Number two, I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. This team, best defense, as I've said many times. Offensively, they're actually better than than people think, and this team was 10 up on the Patriots last year in the AFC Championship. They were this close from going to a Super Bowl. They were this close. And I say this close like you guys can see me, but you know what I mean. Like, they were really, really close. And they've beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers twice. The Jags are a, a real team. They are a real challenge in the AFC and are arguably the best team in the AFC. So I've got them at two, and then number one, the Rams. Four zero. Goff has proven he is not just a system quarterback. He's proven that he's an elite quarterback. Gurley, top, top two running back in the league. Offensively, they've got no shortage of weapons. Offensive line is great. Defensively, they've got a little bit of it. They've got some injury issues, but their front seven is so good linebackers are a little weak but like the front four at least are really good with Sue and Aaron Donald and really they've got the best special teams in the league as well. They don't have they really don't have a weakness anywhere when everyone's healthy. It's it's incredible how good they are. All right, so that rounds out the Ford Food Chain top NFL teams in my eyes. Ten Titans, nine Bears, eight Vikings, seven Eagles, six Patriots, five Saints, four Ravens, three Chiefs, two Jags, and number one, the Rams. All right, so that's my show this week, guys. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, Hoping to be a little more consistent, but you never know with... You know, the schedule of a college kid, it just depends on how everything goes. Still trying to do every weekend, though, and I'm trying to stay on top of predictions. I'm at least going to do the Thursday night prediction. I'm probably not going to get an episode out on before Thursday night or on Thursday. So my prediction for those games are likely going to be on Twitter. But I would love to get an episode out on a Friday or Saturday before Sunday, because, you know, I'm doing it during the games right now. And, you know, I would like to do it beforehand, so that way it's much easier and I don't have to cram and everything, but you never know what's going to happen. I'm trying here. Uh, but, yeah, that's the show for this week, guys. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud. I appreciate you guys sticking with me and listening, Uh, and you know, try to pick it up as the weeks go along, Uh, but thanks for listening guys, I hope you enjoy, it's WFS.